0: Thanks for joining us for this message from Awakened Church. We believe in the power of God's word and we pray that you're encouraged by this message. Now lean in as we hear from God's word together. I don't know how many of you guys are are very familiar with Haggai. It's a a place in scripture that I didn't know a whole lot about before, before this message, but I'm really excited to get into it with you guys. We're going to be looking at what it looks like for us to align with the purpose of God right? What has God asked us to do? The title of today's message is, You Have One Job. It's kind of a play. I don't know if you, you've seen that meme, uh, you had one job, right? Uh, generally, it's a picture of some sort of simple task that someone completely messed up and, and ruined everything, right? Um, and, and the idea is, you had one job, and how did you mess it up so much, right? Um, I was thinking about from my life, I've had several you-had-one-job moments. Um, One in particular that that stood out to me when I was thinking about this message was I was supposed to give Pastor AJ and his wife Breezy a ride to the airport. This was uh, several years ago, um, and their flight left super early in the morning. So the plan was for me to spend the night at their apartment, and we just leave out from there in the morning, right? So I, I went over there we uh, went from their apartment to Chick-fil-A, had dinner, uh, it was really nice, enjoyed the Lord's chicken, went back to their apartment, uh, <laughs> hung out, and uh, I went down to my car to grab my bag and realized I'd locked myself out, and I had no idea where my keys were. Uh, so spent a while, searched all over their apartment, couldn't find them. I remembered that at Chick-fil-A, I had at one point put my keys on the tray that they gave you, right? And then I put all the trash on the tray, and then I thought... When I went to throw it away, maybe I'd forgotten my keys in the train and got dropped in in the trash, right? So AJ takes me back to Chick-fil-A. We go and start digging through their trash. (sighs) One thing you might not realize that we learned very quickly is that Chick-fil-A actually compacts their trash, which is great for their waste management, but absolutely horrible if you've lost something in their trash. Uh, we were trying to like pull apart pieces of trash and like dig through bags. It, It was horrible. And I did not find my keys. Um they had AAA, so they, they called, they came out, they popped the, the lock of my car to see if my keys were in the car. They were not. Uh, um, so in the end, in the morning, I had to drive them to the airport with their car, which they then let me use throughout the week because I did not have a spare copy of my key. So I had to go figure out how to get a whole new key made. Uh, <laughs> it, was, it was frustrating. It was one of those, you had one job, just get your friends to the airport. But it turned into this complete mess and all of this time spent trying to find my keys, right? I'm sure all of us have had, on some level, some place where we look back, and we're like, what happened? It's just, I had one job. How did it get this crazy or this far off, right? We're going to be looking at, in Haggai, where where God essentially says to the people of Israel, you had one job. What happened? If you want to turn there, uh, it's a place that you you might not be familiar with. If you go to Matthew, right, the, the beginning of the New Testament, and go backwards two books, you'll pass Malachi and Zechariah, and you'll find Haggai there. It's really short, just two chapters, so don't go flying past it and get lost in the rest of the minor prophets. But it's an area that we're not in very often, right? So we need a a little bit of background to know how we got to this point. This Haggai takes place after the Israelites have returned from exile to Babylon, right? So Israel had been a nation. uh, They were supposed to follow God, to worship Him, uh, but they kept. Over and over again, choosing to worship idols and, and do what they wanted to do. And, and eventually, God allowed the Babylonian Empire to come in, conquer Israel, destroy the temple to the Lord, and, and carry the Israelites off into captivity. Um, so eventually, the Persian Empire uh, rises to power, and a Persian king, Cyrus, has an encounter with God. God tells him to send the Israelites back to the promised land so they can rebuild the temple. So Cyrus does this. He, he sends the Israelites back. They, they go home and they, they start work on the temple. And shortly after they've finished the foundation, so they, they've just begun, the, the people who were in the land, right? So people had moved into the promised land after the Israelites had been removed from it and they didn't want the temple built. So shortly after the foundation was laid, the, these people uh, start causing problems. They, they make the Israelites afraid, they discourage them, they, they write a letter to a new king and get him to, to try to stop the building of the temple. Well, the Israelites stop, they they succumb to this, and, and it, one thing leads to another, and eventually 16 years have gone by, right? And, and they haven't done anything. And that's when Haggai shows up on the scene. Haggai is a, is a prophet of the Lord. A, a prophet is just someone who speaks on behalf of God to the people, right? And, and Haggai shows up and, and essentially tells the people, You had one job. Uh, and we're going to be looking at what God had to say to Israel and what he's continuing to say to us today. Uh, but let's pray and then we'll jump into Haggai chapter one. Jesus, thank you so much just for this opportunity, the time that we have to, to be in your word, to, to listen to what you have to say, Lord. I pray that you just give us, us ears to hear what you're speaking, that you'll help me to, to speak clearly. Lord, I thank you Thank you for your word and your presence with us and pray that we would be able to um, take time today to consider our ways, to consider the direction we're headed and, and make sure that we are seeking after you. We love you, Lord. In your name I pray. Amen. So, Haggai chapter 1. I'm going to read uh, a little bit of the story and make a few comments, and then I have four points, four thoughts for you from, from this uh, section of scripture. And it's going to be about what the purposes of God are and how we align with them. So chapter 1 verse 1, in the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and, Joshua, and to Joshua, son of Jehoshadak, the high priest. Thus says the Lord of hosts: These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. So God had commanded the Israelites to build the temple, right? And for sixteen years it had laid unfinished. I can't imagine that when the Israelites stopped, that they, they thought they would be here sixteen years later, right? They probably thought they were just giving taking a pause in the work, letting everything cool down, let, let the people kind of forget what they were angry about, and then they they start again, right? But one excuse led to another, and all of a sudden, 16 years have gone by, and the temple lays forgotten. I think it it can be easy for a lot of us to find ourselves in this position. I know it is for me, right? You feel like God speaks something to you, you're convicted about something, maybe on a Sunday, and you think, I I need to do something. I I need to change this, but it's just too crazy right now. Life's too hectic, or I, I just need to finish this one thing, and then I'll have the space, right? Um We make an excuse, and then time passes, and eventually what God has told us to do kind of just passes into the background, right? It's so easy for us to find ourselves in a similar situation to the Israelites, pushing off something God put before us until a more convenient time. Only 16 years have passed, right? And the the Lord has finished waiting for for the Israelites uh, to build the temple. In verse 3, we read, then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have so much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. The people have become focused on their own comfort. They're trying to build a life of uh, securement, of ease, only it hasn't been working out for them. It's a time of economic difficulty. The little they have never seems to go quite far enough. In verse 7, we read, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house that I may take pleasure in it, and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much, and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts? Because of my house that lies in ruins, while each of you busies himself with his own house. Therefore the heavens above you have withheld the dew, and the earth has withheld its produce, and I have called for a drought on the land and the hills, on the grain and the new wine, the oil on what the ground brings forth, on man and beast and on all your labors." Right. The Lord reveals to the, to the people that things have gone poorly because he has set himself against them. Their disobedience has directly caused the difficulty they're facing now. What was, what was the solution, right? Uh, God said it. Uh, Go up to the hills, bring wood, build the house. This is Israel's, you had one job moment. God brings them back to his purpose. He calls them to consider their ways. That word consider in Hebrew, it's a a figure of speech. It's saying, put your heart on your roads. God's calling them to contemplate the direction they're headed in life, the road they're walking on, and to decide if it's a direction that they want to go. This is what I want for us today, to take time to consider what our purpose is, the road we are walking on and what job God has given us to do. Our first point then is this. God's purpose must be our purpose. God's purpose must be our purpose. God's job for Israel was to build the temple, but why did he want them to do it? In verse 8, we read, Build the house so that I may take pleasure in it, and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. God's purpose... Is for his glory to be fully realized. God's purpose is for his glory to be fully realized. God's glory is the display of His holiness, the display of his perfect goodness, beauty and majesty. And the, the temple, it was meant to be a place for the presence of God to dwell and for his glory to be uh, seen by the people. All throughout the Old Testament, the, the glory of God and the presence of God are tied together. where God is present. There is goodness and beauty in life, right? In Habakkuk chapter 2, uh, we read that, that at the end, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. God's purpose is for the whole of creation to be filled with his glory. Everyone fully alive in the goodness and beauty and majesty of God. Israel was to play a role in bringing this glory, but they They stopped. They allowed fear to derail the plan God had for them. And instead, they built nice homes while the temple of God lay forgotten. God's purpose was not their purpose. Now, we don't have a temple today, at least not in a physical building. The, the presence of God dwells with us in a new way, in a different way. In First Corinthians chapter 3, Paul says, "...do you not know that you are God's temple?" And that God's Spirit dwells in you. Through the redeeming work of Jesus, we have the Spirit of God dwelling within us. The presence of God is alive in every man, woman, and child who has surrendered their life to Jesus. And God uses that presence to show His glory, His goodness, His beauty, and majesty to the world. And it's not just about us individually either. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul tells us, You are no longer strangers and aliens. But you are fellow citizens and saints, members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place, into a house for God by the Spirit. Here in Ephesians, Paul draws a connection between the church and the temple. In Jesus, we are joined together, and that unity of the Spirit creates a unique place for the presence of God to dwell. We are in this together. Being a follower of Jesus is a group effort. This is why we are constantly encouraging you to to be a part of a group. We need to be meeting together in, in smaller groups of believers so that we can be known and that we can grow in the Lord. This is a part of how we grow together into a house for the Lord. Just as God was building the temple in Haggai, he was creating a place for his glory to be shown. He's doing the same now. And we are called as followers of Jesus to be a part of that. Now, it's important to to keep in mind that there's a difference between the purpose of God and the calling of God, right? The purpose of God is the reason why he does what he does. And the calling of God is is his job for you, what, what he's given you to do. The reason why God does what he does is so that ultimately all of creation will be filled with his glory. He called the Israelites to come alongside his purpose and fulfill a job. And he does the same with us today. But before we step into calling, we have to align with purpose, right? The same purpose... Haggai brought to Israel 2,400 years ago is the same purpose God is working out now, the furtherance of his glory. The same purpose Haggai brought to Israel 2,400 years ago is the same purpose God is working out now, the furtherance of his glory. And if we're honest with ourselves, it can be easy to get sidetracked into our own projects. In Haggai, the people have built paneled homes, right? This is an indication of luxury, So they built these comfortable homes for themselves while the temple foundation lay unfinished. Their purpose was for their own comfort, not the glory of God. Instead of being focused on the glory of God, they were worried over the state of their home. What do you find yourself focused on? Maybe it is your home, or maybe it's your career, making sure that you make all of the right connections and you're at the important events. Or it's, it's that hobby that you're trying to turn into a business or a degree that you're attempting to pursue. Um, I think about myself, right? And, and a lot of times it, it kind of feels like if my purpose is just making it from day to day, right? There's just so many things that pile up. I'm just trying to get through things, and, and it feels like I'm surviving. I need this message. I need the reminder to stop and consider, what is the purpose of my life? What direction am I headed? Now, notice the, the paneled houses that the Israelites built, they, they weren't wrong, right? What was wrong was that the Israelites had focused on them at the expense of the temple. Your home, your career, your hobbies, that degree, they're not wrong. We worship a creative God who created creative beings. We dream, we create, we build, but when those projects, when those dreams take the place of the purpose of God, we are missing the point. So, if God's purpose must be our purpose, then we need to ask the question, why? Why is pursuing the glory of God more important than any idea or project that we might have? This is our second point for today. God's purpose outlasts our projects. We pursue the glory of God because the purpose of God outlasts anything else that we might do these houses the Israelites had focused on, how, how long would they have lasted? Eventually, the paneling would have rotted away, the houses would fall into disarray, or they'd get replaced by newer, bigger buildings. But what do we know about the temple? It provided a central point for the Israelites to rally around, right? It solidified them as a nation. It endured through time for 400 years. It helped hold the nation of Israel together until one day, the long awaited Messiah, Jesus, would enter that same temple. The, the temple would become a central point for Jesus' ministry. He would perform healings. He would do miracles. He would teach from that temple. Eventually, Jesus would be interrogated by the religious leaders at the temple and crucified not far from it. The early church would, would meet in the temple and, and share the good news of the kingdom of God. God used the temple from Haggai as a centerpiece in the unfolding of his plan of salvation for the nations. Right? And the Israelites had decided that it was more important to build comfortable homes for themselves than to build that temple. What has your attention, your focus and energy, the business you create, the project you're in the midst of, the house you are building, how long will they last? In the book of Revelation, we get a picture of eternity. If you read the last two chapters of the book, we see this beautiful picture of of a new creation, the city of God coming down out of heaven. You see God dwelling with his people, present in a new final way where his glory is fully recognized. We see the people of God worshiping God, reigning over creation with him. And we're told that this will continue forever. It's a long time. It's so easy to lose sight of that, right? To become focused and worried about what's happening right now. The the things of today become so pressing that we lose sight of what's happening in eternity. And that's why it's so important for us to stop, to consider our ways, to consider if we are aligned with the purpose of God because God never loses sight of eternity. Everything he does is done with that future existence in mind. His calling for us is aimed at bringing that into fruition. What, what of ours do we see in that picture in Revelation? Not our houses. The city comes from God. Not our projects, not our businesses, not this church building. The one thing you have any effect on in that picture is people. The one thing you have any effect on in that picture is People. If you are a follower of Jesus, you are in that picture. When you look at the end of Revelation, you find the church. Just as God had purpose in having the Israelites build the physical temple, he currently has purpose in having the church be formed as a spiritual temple. Hear me, there is nothing wrong with building a business, pursuing a career, designing a home, or or getting a degree, but they lose any value if they become the primary purpose of your life. The primary focus you have. Our starting point has to be aligning with the purpose of God because the purpose of God outlasts our projects. You have one job. It's, it's not complicated. Jesus laid it out clearly for us after his resurrection. We call it the Great Commission. You can find it at the end of Matthew chapter 28. Right, So Jesus is speaking to the disciples after his resurrection, and he tells them um, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Right? We find our third point here. God's purpose involves our action. Haggai spoke as a prophet from the authority of God. He tells the people to go into the woods, to go into the hills, to bring back lumber, to build the house of the Lord. There is action the people of God must take. They cannot stay in their paneled homes. They have to go, they have to gather, and they have to build. Fast forward to Matthew. Here is Jesus claiming to hold the authority that Haggai merely spoke from. And what does he tell us? He tells us to go, to gather, and to build. But instead of going into the hills, we're supposed to go into the nations. Instead of gathering lumber, we are gathering disciples. Instead of uh, building a physical temple, we are teaching those disciples how to be obedient to Jesus and building a spiritual temple in doing that, building up the church. When we align with the purpose of God, the work we do is directly aimed at bringing to fruition the glory of God pictured in Revelation. Revelation. God's purpose involves our action. But what does that look like practically, right? It can be difficult here because there isn't a set of blueprints for making disciples, right? The, the Israelites, when they were told to build the physical temple, they had a clear picture of what they were supposed to do. Uh, but the building of the church is a, is a work that spans cultures and time and, and nations, right? The beauty of that is that there are many different ways to accomplish the purpose of God. We're all in different places and in different seasons of life. And obedience to the call of God will look different for each of us. We can start by looking at where we are right now and how we can align with God's purpose. So when you consider, you'd be thinking, what would it look like for me to make disciples in the job I am working? How can the business I've started be used be leveraged to bring the kingdom of God into the nations? What door to reach people with the gospel could the degree degree I'm pursuing unlock? How can your family teach others to follow Jesus, to obey his commands? What would it look like to devote the home that you are building as a space where people will come and see the presence of God and be in his glory? Wherever you find yourself in life, there is opportunity for you to align yourself with the purpose of God. And then, as you consider your ways and you're thinking over this, maybe God is calling you to go somewhere new. Many of you are involved with what happens here on a Sunday, right? From Awaken Kids to the Connect team to helping in media, you are helping to create a place for people to come and worship Jesus. Across this year, as a church, we've been working to expand the opportunities for you to participate in what God is doing at Awaken outside of just a Sunday, opportunities for you to go, to gather, and to build. And I want to highlight four of them for you. First off, on Thursday evenings, we have our Kids Bible Club. We have dozens of kids who come to Awaken to hear the good news of Jesus, share a meal, be loved on, and poured into. For many of them, this is their only opportunity to be connected to a church or to to hear the gospel throughout the week. Then we have a helps team that takes care of people in our church From making meals, to helping people move, to mowing lawns, they are building up the temple of God by serving his people. Just like Jesus washing the feet of his disciples, these people are building up the church by meeting others in their need. Pastor AJ has been working for the last year on getting us connected with Clarksville DCS. There are hundreds of kids who go through the foster care system and are in desperate need of the hope of Jesus. We have an opportunity this Christmas to, to provide care packages for those kids. Um, there's those uh, bags out in the lobby, right? You can grab one of those and take a list and fill it for, for one of these kids. And we're actively working to make more opportunities to connect with kids who are in desperate need of a family and the love of Jesus. And then finally, there's the prayer team. Anything we accomplish of any value is done through the power of God. While we should all be individually praying and aligning ourselves with God, uh, the prayer team is specifically focused on lifting up the church before God, praying for you, praying that the purpose of God is fulfilled. Now, if you know me, you know that I really like data. Um, I like working with numbers. I, I think they can be really helpful in giving us perspective. I'm going to share a few numbers uh, with, this, with you guys. We have, on average, 280 people who come here on a Sunday and sit in one of these seats, right? And that's awesome. It's so important that we are gathering together, that we are worshiping the Lord, sitting under the teaching of the Word, and that we're fellowshipping with one another. But what happens here on a Sunday is meant to fuel us up to go throughout the week, to walk in the calling of God. And we, there is great need in those four areas I mentioned. There are currently four people from Awaken who are consistently involved with Kids Bible Club. There are seven people from Awaken who are actively engaged with our HELPS team. We have five people working to engage with DCS Outreach, and there are four people who are consistently a part of the prayer team. That's 20 people total across all four of these opportunities, 20 out of 280. Now, I am not saying that if you are not plugged into one of these places that you are not fulfilling the call of God in your life. But if you take time to consider whether you are walking in God's calling and you recognize an unfulfilled call to go, then one of these places is a great place to start, and there is a lot of need. Again, this message is something I needed for myself. Chloe and I, in just the last couple weeks, we started uh, showing up for Kids Bible Club on Thursdays. it's been a bit of a sacrifice. Our, our Thursdays are really long, but it's been so worth it. Even in just the two, two weeks we've been able to be there, it's been awesome getting to, to share food with, with these kids, to love on them, to have them love on and encourage us, right? Like, it was crazy, like, how many of them remembered who we are the, the second week back. Um, it's awesome, right? God's purpose involves our action. The Great Commission outlines what that action involves. God's purpose will last for all of eternity. Are you walking in the calling he has set before you? Do not get to eternity to hear Jesus say, you had one job. So we need to consider our ways and take it seriously. The purpose of God is a weighty matter. But don't be discouraged. My goal in this message is not for you to feel bad about yourself, but to stop and consider whether or not you are aligned with God's purpose. As you consider, you might grow discouraged or feel unqualified for the calling set before you. You might look at what God has set before you and feel like it's insignificant or like you're not up for the task. You can't possibly fulfill what he is calling you to do. I have one last point from Haggai for you. It's our fourth point. God's purpose is not dependent on our power. In Haggai chapter 2, the people had started rebuilding the temple but they grew discouraged. When the people compared their temple to the one that Solomon had built, they, they were discouraged because when Solomon had built his temple, the nation of Israel was at the height of its power, right? Literal tons of gold went into the building of Solomon's temple. They imported the best of materials from the surrounding nations. It was unparalleled. And the, the temple that the Israelites were building in Haggai was nothing in comparison. And, and So many of them were discouraged, and they asked, how could they ever hope to build something that is worthy of the house of the Lord? In chapter 2 of Haggai, God redirects their attention by telling them to be strong, reminding them of his presence, and promising he will provide for the temple. In verse 8 of chapter 2, we read, The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. The latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace, declares the Lord of hosts. God says that the glory of the temple that they're building will be greater than that of Solomon's. God promises that what they view as small and unworthy, he will use for something greater than they could ever imagine. For hundreds of years, in the midst of the grandeur of Solomon's temple, countless animals were sacrificed. Countless animals sacrificed to cover temporarily cover over the sins of the people. What these people in Haggai could not see is that 400 years later, Jesus, God in flesh, would go from that temple, die on a cross, and three days later, rise from the dead. It would be a sacrifice that didn't just temporarily cover over sins, but would permanently remove the penalty of those sins from anyone who would confess Jesus as Lord. It would allow the presence of God to dwell with his people the glory of God on display in a whole new way. And the people in Haggai were able to play a part in that unfolding. Do not be discouraged by the work God has set before you. No matter how small or how insufficient you may feel for the task, if God has called you to it, then he will use it for his glory. He will fill you with the power to walk in it. Ultimately, it is God who is doing that work. And he will not leave it undone. All that he asks is that we are obedient to his call. But before we can make disciples, we must be disciples of Jesus. We must be prioritizing our relationship with God, spending time in Scripture, seeking the Spirit. The power to fulfill the purpose of God can only come through a relationship with God. The power to fulfill the purpose of God can only come through a relationship with God. So let your insufficiency and uncertainty drive you to the one who has called you to go. And when you, when you go, you will find that God has gone before you. When you share the gospel, you will find the Spirit already at work. When you teach others to obey Jesus and yourself are obedient, you find the presence of God is readily available. That's what the Israelites found when they were obedient. They listened to Haggai's message and began work on the, t- on the temple. Chapter 1, verse 12 we read then Zerubbabel the son of Shealtiel and Joshua the son of Jehozadak the high priest with all the remnant of the people obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet as the Lord their God had sent him and the people feared the Lord then Haggai the messenger of the Lord spoke to the people with the Lord's message I am with you declares the Lord the people began the work they were obedient and the Lord met them in the midst of it Look again at uh, Matthew 28, the Great Commission. What, what's the last thing Jesus said after he gave the Great Commission? Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. Go, gather, build. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus goes with us. The same God who went with the Israelites is the same God who goes with us. So take time today, pause, consider, think over your ways. Question whether or not your purpose is God's purpose. Prayerfully consider what it looks like to go, to gather, to build. Remembering that as you go, it is the power of God who goes before you. It is his spirit who is at work within you. If you aren't following Jesus, if you don't have a relationship with him, that has to be the starting point. There'll be some people up here, some pastors, Next Step team members, who would love to talk with you about what that looks like after service. If you do have a relationship with Jesus, but you don't know what it looks like to go, or you have questions about what it looks like to obey Jesus in this, uh, come up. Find one of the pastors, one of our team members. We'd love to listen, to pray with you, and, and to help you in your journey. We're going to close out in worship, but make space later today to consider your ways and ask God what it looks like for you to make disciples. What is the job he has given you? Thanks for joining us for this message from Awaken Church. We'd love to hear how this message or the ministry of Awaken has impacted your life. Let us know at awaken.church forward slash my story.